0: So glad that you guys are here today. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do in life. We can get so busy. You know, we got a big event coming up, Super Bowl, whatever it is. And, 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 and that becomes our focus of everything. And, and uh, you know, I, I think that there's something about when we come to focus on God. And, and I believe that God speaks to us every single time. You know, it was this this last week. I kept hearing about this movie. People kept saying, "Oh, Rich, this is the best movie. Oh, you've got to see this movie. It is so good." And uh, it's like voted like right now, like the best movie in the world. You know, and it's ninety nine on the tomato meter. And and I'm thinking, oh, you know, it's got it's got to be pretty good. You know, and 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 so ended up you know Tina and I were watching it and and uh, it's got uh, subtitles and everything so I had to keep thinking throughout the whole thing and and then then and, and as I'm watching I just kept being like what? What? I mean I, the, the whole time I mean I'm I'm like you know I I I'm, there it's something's got to change something's got to happen and really what, what we see is that, that throughout it all is just someone that's so desperate, a family that's so desperate, that people are so desperate, and it ends that they're so desperate. And I was like, man, you know, the, 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 the sad thing is that there's hope. There's hope, I looked at some quotes this week about desperation, and and, uh, desperate times brings desperate measures. Desperation is like stealing from the mafia. You stand a good chance of getting attracted by the wrong attention. Uh, When things are desperate, there is no need to pretend that everything's beautiful. A starving man won't notice a dirty plate. Human beings do not readily admit desperation but when they do the kingdom of heaven draws near this is what the 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 writer of Psalms of of Proverbs says Proverbs 18 verse 4 you can write it into your notes starting in in verse 4 it says that the rope of death entangled me floods of destruction swept over me the grave wrapped its rope around me death laid a trap in my path but in my distress I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I prayed to my God for help. See, this week we're continuing in our journey in the Gospel of John. We're looking at the Gospel of John and we're going to look at the idea of distress. What does that look like? What does desperation look like? look like how do we deal with that how do we respond and I want you to know as we're going through the gospel of John it's a very broad stroke so I'm covering a lot of ground I've never actually covered so much passage as what we've been doing in this series but we've been doing it as a network and we've been walking through this and it leads up to Easter and it's, it's, it's a really great thing But I want to encourage you, if you get anything out of these messages, I pray that you're hungry. I pray that you're like, oh, I want to go deeper into God's word. I want to take some time this week and to look even more at what's being said. And that's what we always want to do. We don't want to just listen to a man and what what his opinions and ideas are. We always want to go to God and say, God, reveal yourself, get deeper with what's going on. But what we're going to look at, if you pull out your study guide, we're going to look at you know, what to remember during times of desperation. So that's, that's kind of what we're going to be looking at as we turn in your Bibles to John chapter 4. You can follow along in your notes, you can follow along on the overhead or in your Bible. But starting in verse 43, it says, at the end of the two days, and and that's in Samaria. That's where Jesus encountered the woman at the well, and her life was radically changed and transformed. So was the community. They ended up seeing what happened, and they encountered Jesus, and nothing was ever the same for those people again. Then it says that Jesus went on to Galilee. He himself had said that a prophet is not honored in his hometown see jesus knew the unbelief of the people that he was going to he knew what their motives were he knew what they were thinking and 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 their hearts he shared that through the gospel of john so far but jesus knowing the hearts of people and i want you to know that that that's kind of really important for us to really be honest and aware of our situation, our environment. What is it like at the workplace? What is it like at the home place? What is it like when the kids come over? What is it like when the parents come Come over. What are these things? And being very aware of your environment and to be prepared. That's Jesus was very prepared. He knew exactly what to expect as he's going into it. Now, verse 45, I want you to go ahead and, and, and on your notes, just go ahead and circle that because we're going to go back to verse 45. But it says that yet the Galileans welcomed him for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. As he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. So that was the first public miracle. Now, that was was a a festive time. Now, Now, what we're going to see is not really a time of festivities, but it goes on. And it says that there was a government official in the nearby Capernaum whose son was very sick when he heard that jesus had come from judea to galilee he went and begged jesus to come to capernaum to heal his son who was about to die should i put something else on should i do a handheld or something that look like um so so let's let's unpack this for a second let me just switch mics check check thank you that works okay um so, so what we really see here, we see this governmental official. He's coming up, and more than likely, he worked for King Herod. And so that's important to know. Usually whenever we read in the Bible King Herod, you kind of hear booze around it, boo, you know, of, of what type of a leader he was. But, but we see that it, he, he worked for King Herod. He was probably... Um, You know we we don't know if he was roman or or jewish we don't know his ethnicity but we do know that he was probably extremely affluent that that he had money he had everything he needed and you know probably he really thought you know i'm doing the best i can with my life and i'm going to take care of my family and i'm going to take care of my son and my wife and everyone that's involved and 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 what we realize just like the woman at the well, just like Nicodemus is that, that our material things, there comes a point in our life that they can't help us. Those things that we're chasing, that we're saying, this is so important, my 401k and all this stuff. But there, there, there comes a point that it's like, wait a second, this can't help me right now. And so he came desperate. He came desperate. To Jesus he realized he needed something that the world just couldn't give him he needed something he came and he was helpless and he was powerless and some of you know exactly what that's like some of you have experienced that firsthand with family members and you've been there and you've watched them in pain you've watched them at the brink of death at death and, and you're like oh There's nothing I can do. You know exactly what that's like. That's where this man was at. He was like, I've tried everything else. Now I'm coming to Jesus. And what I love is the posture of the man. So, so think about this One more desperate. What's our posture? The posture of this man, he comes to Jesus and, and he didn't ask for a servant. He didn't ask for, you know, one of his, his secretaries or something. Why don't you go get Jesus and bring him here? He's like, no, no, no. I'm going to go. I'm going to put myself in front. I'm going to do everything I can to get to him. And we see in that posture that the scripture actually uses the word beg, that he was begging. This guy, in his regular world, in his regular life, he would never beg about anything. He would have people around him begging. But he was so desperate. So here's what we see in verse 48. Jesus asked, Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? When I I read that, I'm kind of like, well, this guy's coming humble. He's coming to Jesus, and he's like, help me, my child's sick. And it almost feels like Jesus kind of does a little rebuke, doesn't he? He kind of like calls him out. But I also want you to just underline in in that verse, you'll see two different places where it says you. And, And what that really means, I believe that Jesus is talking plural here. He's talking to the man. He's talking directly. This is what I need you to hear. But he's also talking to all the people around him. See, um, remember I told you to circle verse 45? Verse 45 says that yet the Galileans welcomed him, for they had been in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration and had seen everything he did there. See, basically, these people wanted to see something spectacular. They wanted to see something amazing. They saw Jesus do it before. Hey, we want to come to see something again. And Jesus is speaking to them because what they wanted was signs. They wanted wonders. They wanted some amazing things. And just because you're in the presence of God, just because you see those things and you hear the words, it's not enough. Not just to be around, but that's what they wanted. They just wanted to be around. Let me see something else. And, you know, we can kind of um, fall into that trap, too, that we just want to see wonderful things, but we don't really want to connect with God. That's kind of like the polar opposite of what happened in Samaria. Remember, in Samaria, when they saw the lady's life changed and transformed... The, the the town saw that, and they were like, oh, we have to see this for ourselves. So they left the town to come to Jesus. I mean, totally different. And, 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 and then remember, we saw this last week. Here's, here's the scripture. It says, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. See, it's so important that we have a Personal relationship with Christ ourselves that we're engaging with him. It's not about, oh, you know, I couldn't worship today because of this or because of that. No, it's about us choosing to engage and to be connected. And so many times we can end up looking for a spectacle. We can look for something. I want to see something exciting. I want to see the next exciting thing that's going on instead of something of substance. And so then we go on to verse 50. Then Jesus told him, go home, your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said and started home. Okay, really cool. We'll unpack that. The very first thing that I want you to write in your study guides today is to what to remember during desperation is that we're all desperate for someone to respond. We're all desperate for someone to respond. When you're dealing in desperate situations, we really want someone to respond into our lives. Each of us, you know, and and in many cases, we want someone to respond and we want it now. We want this instant gratification. We want, okay, I'm dealing with something. I want someone to respond right now. But sometimes God actually has to get us to a place that we're ready for what he wants to do. Sometimes God has to use things to move us that we're finally ready for God to move in our lives. See, sometimes Jesus has to correct our motives. Jesus has to get our heart right so that we can receive. So many times it's like, oh, man, you know, I just want it now. I want it now. And God says, no, I want to change you. I want to move you in the process of your desperation. And that's exactly what he did in this man's life, because this man instantly said, okay, Jesus, I heard what you said. Okay, now I'm going to respond. Now I'm going to react. You told me to go. I'm going to go. And so that's what we want to keep in mind for each one of us. Sometimes when we're praying for God to break through, we have to ask ourselves, is there something God's trying to teach us? Is there something that God's trying to change in our lives? Is there something that God wants us to move? And we need to be faithful with that because here's what we see that happens afterwards. In verse 51, while the man was on his way, some of his servants met him with the news that his son was alive and well. He asked them when the boy had begun to get better. And they replied yesterday afternoon at one o'clock, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that that was the very time that Jesus told him, your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. See, there's something amazing that takes place when we see God move. And they all had choices, and they all chose to believe. This was the second miraculous sign that we see um, uh, Jesus do in Galilee after coming from Judea. So the first one was Mary. Remember, that was at the wedding. And Mary went to the servants' and said, do whatever Jesus says. Just do whatever he says. Isn't that a great sign of faith? Just do whatever he says, just do it. And then we see this this government official, and, and he listens, he hears rebuke, he hears what Jesus says, and he's like, I'll do anything that you ask. So remember I said that the first point is that we're all desperate for someone to respond? It's really important if you just write it on the side of that in return, we must be desperate enough to respond. We have to choose to respond. We want someone to respond in our lives. We want someone to speak in. We want someone to help us through those tough times, but we have to be willing to respond as well. You know, how bad do you really want it? How desperate are you? How willing are you? Well, guys, we're going to keep going on to chapter 5, and it says that afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days inside the city near the Sheep Gate. Okay, so we see we've talked about the temple, and really what John's doing is laying a picture, so you can start to see this picture picture and 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 we're seeing a marketplace so imagine this marketplace and they're they're selling sheep and and they're selling things for sacrifice outside and then what they're going to do is that they're going to then bring them in through the Sheep Gate and through the Sheep Gate, they get the uh, offerings prepared to then go into the temple. So so we kind of got that picture of what that looks like. Then it, it says that there was a pool of Bethesda. And I want you to if, if you want to just kind of make a note here, here's if, if we interpret that it kind of means House of Mercy or House of Pity. So, so that starts to paint the picture more of what we're seeing. So we're seeing this area, we're seeing this pool, we're seeing this gate. And then it says, with five covered porches, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed lay on the porches. And one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. And 38 years being sick. And I want you to know, when, when you look at the Greek on this, the word that they use for sick is different than what they use in other areas. And, and so we, we, we interpret it as sick. And, and there's another translation. The ESV actually says invalid. And I think that might be a more accurate uh, version of, of, of what that word says, because here's what it helps us understand. When it says invalid, it literally means that the man had no strength, that he was absolutely weak physically and spiritually. He was out. He tried to move. He couldn't move. He'd try to coerce people and ask people to help him move for healing, and it wouldn't happen. People would look and say, that man is invalid. Could you imagine that label? 38 years, you are invalid. And so uh, Jesus looks at him. He sees the man And in verse six, when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Isn't that a crazy question? Kind of. We see all of these sick people, all these people are lying around and Jesus focuses on one person. He says, do you want to get well? See, Jesus understood the longing of his heart. He understands the longing of your heart. He understands the longing of my heart. But sometimes what Jesus does is he wants to draw that out of us, that we would confess it, that we would say, Jesus, this is really where I'm at. This is really what I'm dealing with. This is really my helplessness, to really take admission of of who I am and what I'm dealing with and how desperate I am for healing. See, verse 7 says, I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me in the pool. When the water bubbles up, someone else gets ahead of me. See, he didn't know Jesus. He didn't respond to him as Jesus. He just responded to him as sir. But, but he was saying, I'm desperate. I'm helpless. I, I've been wanting this so hard, so, so much in my life. And everyone around me is so selfish that when when there's an opportunity for me to get healed, I don't get healed. And in and, and verse nine, it says instantly the man or Jesus in verse eight, Jesus told him to stand up and pick up your mat and walk. And and even though the man understood all of his labels, he understood that he was invalid. He understood that he was helpless and hopeless. He was so desperate that he did exactly what Jesus said. And so in verse nine, it says that instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his mat and began to walk. is that amazing? I mean, a miracle. I mean, we just see miracle after miracle. And 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 here's what miracles are all about. Miracles take place to glorify God. That's why there's a miracle. It's not so that I'd get a closer parking space at the mall. That's not a miracle. To lose 10 pounds to get back into those jeans, that's not a miracle. It's to take something that is broken, to take something that in the natural world is deemed impossible. There's no way that that could ever happen. And as God does that, as he reveals his wholeness, he's glorified. That's what a miracle does. And that's what God does. And so I want you to write this in as number two, is that we are all desperate for wholeness. We're all desperate for wholeness. We, we realize you know for some of us you know we don't speak it out loud but when we're at home and we're alone and we're by ourselves we understand our own brokenness we understand that we can't call all the shots we understand that we can't control things and we need wholeness well here's the rude awakening to all of it is that you would think when when god does a miracle and there's wholeness that everyone's going to be excited and everybody's going to be happy for you. The reality is that is not the case. And so what we see in the scripture, it says that John makes it really clear the whole picture. He says, but this miracle happened on a Sabbath, verse 10. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. You know what's funny is that this man was marked invalid for 38 years. They've seen him. They've watched him. They've looked at him. They, they, they've done nothing to help this guy at all. They've done nothing to say, boy, we really want to see this guy's life changed. We, we really hope that God would do something in his life. They, they didn't give a rip. They're talking to him, and they're talking about these weird technicalities. You would think that they'd say something like, hey, congrats, so glad that you're healed. It's such a good thing to see that your whole life has changed and transformed. But they don't care. They're not even concerned about that. You know, We have to realize that in life is that so many times when God does something amazing and we're expecting people to be excited about it and they're not. Boy, that's part of this fallen world. So, so, so here's what we see. Verse 11. But he replies, the man who healed me told me to pick up my mat and walk. Who said such a thing? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared in the crowd. But afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple. So he didn't even know, you know, uh, Jesus. He was just so desperate that I'm going to put my faith in what this person says. I have nothing to lose. I'm going to do it. And then he goes to the temple, and he realizes that it was God who healed him. I'm sure he's in the temple. As he's worshiping the Lord, he encounters Jesus now for the second time. And, and, and here's what Jesus says. He says, now that you're well. So stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. It seems clear when we read this that that Jesus is talking to the sick man and that that he understands that his illness the his invalid what happened to him was because of choices and decisions he made. Guys, that's that's true. Our sin, our choices and decisions can affect all kinds of things. They can affect our relationships. They can uh, affect us physically. They can affect us spiritually. And so Jesus is calling it out and saying, hey, you know what? Um, there's 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 something that's happened in your life and, and that's not in all situations. A lot of times uh, sin and, and pain happen in our life and that's because we're splattered by sin because we live in a sinful world and because of other choices from other people that's now splattered on us. But, but as he's talking to the man, I love how he says, so stop sinning. And you can underline that because what, what he's really expressing, he's really calling himself again, God. I am God. I'm telling you, you need to stop sinning. Now, now, if he wasn't God, he'd probably say something more like, you know, hey, try not to do any bad things. You know, try to do your best. You know, just, just, just don't, don't be too bad. All right. Um, guys, could you imagine, I think sometimes we almost say that to people, don't we? Well, nobody's perfect, so, you know, just try not to do bad things. Let's say that to our kids, all right? Maybe a little bit of poison, you know, hey, maybe a little bit of bad stuff. No, God says, don't do any of it, all right? When, when you know it's wrong, don't do it. He's so clear about it, and the reason why is because he loves the person so much. He says, don't do it because something worse can happen. Guys, it's not even just about our body, is it? To, to gain the world but to lose our soul? Guys, there are going to, to be people that will spend eternity separated from God because of the choices that they've chosen to make, to, to choose to rebel against God so then then it goes on in verse 15, then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who healed him. She like the woman at the well, she she was you, you couldn't hold it in. She was so excited about what Jesus had done in her life. It's the same thing with him. He was so excited about what Jesus had done. He couldn't just hold it in. He was like, I have to tell these people I have to let people know that it was Jesus who made me well. I want you to write this in. This is our third point is that we're all desperate for Jesus. We really are. If you're aware of it or not, we all are desperate for Jesus. We are so hungry for that thing in our lives. And, and for some people, they refuse to accept Jesus. And instead, they try to control their lives. They try to control it. They say, I, you know what? I don't need Jesus. Jesus is a crutch. I can take care of it on my own. You know what? I don't need that thing. I'll do it. It'll be on me. And what are they really trying to do? They're trying to control it all. They're trying to call the shots of life. And that's what we see in verse 16. It says, so the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. See, this really shows their hearts. They're just, they're just wicked people. See, they... they Instead of really caring about people, they care about their rules. They want it done their way. I want you to look like me. I want you to act like me. I want you to do it this way instead of what God wants for people. See, they make up this whole thing about the Sabbath, and I want you to understand that it's totally bogus anyway. As, as they're talking about that Jesus broke the Sabbath, Jesus didn't break the Sabbath. I mean, like I said, we go, uh, this is pretty broad stroke, but I want you to know there's, there's things as you start to look at it, like any Jewish rabbi at the time would say, well, pretty much if I needed to pick up my sleeping bag, I could pick up my sleeping bag and move it and that would totally be fine. That wouldn't be breaking the Sabbath. Now, if I picked it up and I put it over my shoulder, Some rabbis would say, oh, well, that's that's a little more strenuous. So that would be work. Okay, now, now, if Jesus was actually out there and he was actually selling the product. So he said, you want to get well, it's 1995, you know, and and, uh, we take Visa and MasterCard. You know, if if that was Jesus saying that, well, then Jesus would have broke the Sabbath. If Jesus was getting profit out of it, Jesus would have broke the Sabbath. But I love what Jesus does. Jesus takes it to the next level because it's all about a heart issue. So he's not even into playing the game. He realizes I didn't do anything. I didn't break the Sabbath. But let me, let me deal with something that you rabbis are struggling with. You religious people are struggling with. You're, you're struggling with the idea of does God really rest on the Sabbath? And 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 rabbis really had a hard time with that because they were like, well, wait a second now. Now we read in Genesis in the very beginning that he rested right now. Keep in mind that was before the fall. Now, once the fall happened, man, God has never stopped trying to redeem man back to himself. God has completely been on taking care of this world because of the fallen and brokenness of sin. And so so in the midst of it, even the 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 most stringent, you know, the the most legalistic person would have to say, well, wait a second, even on the Sabbath, God is still moving. Why? We see life come into the world. Why? We see that God protects and keeps the whole world working. And so Jesus brings it. He lifts the bar of what it is. And so this is this is um, in verse 17. It says that Jesus replied, he said, my father is always working, and so am I. I mean, that, that's totally powerful. So, so they're wanting to talk about the Sabbath. They're, they're wanting to talk about some type of technicality that's not even there. And Jesus says, I'm not afraid of having a conversation with you, but we're going to talk about what really matters. It's not about the Sabbath. It's about who I am. And, and we're going to look at that further uh, next week. I mean, we're going to get a lot further into that, but I want you to see how it continues to go on in verse 18. It says, So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him, for he had not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal. And so so what we're going to look at next week, we're going to go a little deeper because um, these these legalistic people what they're looking at they're they're talking about the Sabbath, and the reality is they don't get it they don't understand it they they they're they're playing with the technicality they're also believing that Jesus is saying at this point that there's two gods: there's the Jewish God, and then there's me. And that isn't what Jesus is saying. And, 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 and Jesus is going to make it so clear. I, I encourage you to come next week, come ready to take notes, invite friends, because so many times people will say, Oh, you know, Jesus is just one option. Jesus is good. You know, he's fine. But there's a lot of other ways to go. And, and what I want you to know is that we're going to see next week is that there is one option and it's Jesus. And, and and Jesus is going to make it so clear, and it's not my words, it's his words. And he's going to make it so clear to him and hopefully today Hopefully you have like a, a, a little more appetite for God's word that you're like, wait a second, you know, I'm, I'm seeing four different groups of people here and I'm seeing how God is moving and how people are choosing to follow and how people are choosing not to follow. And hopefully there's a, there's a hunger and hopefully this week you'll look into God's word to go deeper and to say, how do I get more? But I want to put just a couple very practical things for you. The first thing, and and you can write this in now, you can write it in later. But the, the question is, is, is why are you desperate? Why are you desperate? In your life, the things that are going on, why are you desperate? Is it financial things? Is it relational things? Is it physical things? Why am I desperate? And then the question is, what am I desperate for? What do I want the outcome to be? What am I really looking for? And who are you desperate for? Are you desperate to put your life in the arms of God? Are you desperate enough to say I will give everything I've been holding on to and I will put it into his arms? See, each of us have times in our life where we're desperate and God wants to use those things to bring us to him. Now, this last week, right after church, everybody started buzzing and they're like, Kobe, did you hear about the chopper? Did you hear about. And We just saw desperation. You know, as we watch the news and we see the pictures of real people. And we see you know, in front of the Staples Center at L.A. Live of just just thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming. And they're they're desperate, Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. I think those three questions I gave to you, a lot of those people couldn't really answer. They just knew they were desperate for something desperate for something. Well, I want to show you something really quick, and I I don't I, I don't know Kobe, you know I I I I can't judge someone's motives. But when I heard these words, I was like, wait a second, this this reminds me a lot of what we've been looking at in the scripture. Um, this this really reminds me of the woman at the well. This really reminds me of of the 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 centurion. It really re- reminds me of the man who picks up the mat and. Katie, would you play that video really quick? What did you learn from that whole experience? Just having to go through what you went through. God is great. Is it that simple? God is great. Don't get no simpler than that, bro. Did you know that? I mean, I'm, I'm, everybody knows that, but the way you know it now, did you know it before that incident took place? You can know it all you want, but until you got to pick up that cross that you can't carry, and He picks it up for you and carries you and the cross, then you know. See, I saw that and I was like, wait a second. To me, that sounds like an encounter. That sounds like that, that a situation that seems so desperate, a situation that seems so hard. God uses that to get us to that next place in life. See, we saw people today who wanted to be entertained. That's what they wanted to see in life. We saw people who wanted to control lives. They wanted to control their life and they wanted to control the lives of people around them. And we saw desperate people that wanted someone to respond, someone to engage, someone to care about their lives. And they were willing to respond because they knew how broken things were. They, they, they stepped out trusting and believing for wholeness and they were ready for Jesus. And for each of us today, we have a choice. Am I here just, hear some music, here maybe a couple of jokes, here hear an encouraging message, or am I here for Jesus am I am I here in life I'm just gonna take care of it I'm gonna control my life or am I willing to let go of everything and give it to him guys I just encourage you today that as we face desperation we have choices and the greatest choice we can ever do is to give it to God to the one that says, I love you so much. I came here so you could have wholeness. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, you are so good. You are so amazing. God, we, we see your hand that from the beginning, in the midst of choices and decisions that sent sin into our DNA, that splattered sin on this world and even our own choices to sin, that you have never stopped. You've never given up on us and that you want to meet us right where we're at. And for some of you, it's, it's a spiritual thing today about getting your life right with God, that you're like, man, I'm just like that that man with the mat. I've made choices, I've made decisions. Jesus isn't giving up on you. He's saying, let's get out of this sin. Let's step up and get away from this. You don't have to go back to this. And if that's you, I just ask that you would call out to God right now, that I I need your power. God, I need your strength. God, I ask that you would fill me up. God, I ask that you would bring me wholeness through the shed blood of Jesus. And for others of you, you're just like, Pastor, I need prayer. I'm so desperate about the things that are in front of me right now. I can't do it on my own. I'm not gonna be able to fix the relationship. I'm not gonna be able to to make that job happen. I'm not gonna be able to do any of these things that are in front of me that are so heavy and weighing on me. And I want you to know that God's arms are open and God is saying, you just give it to me. You just give it to me. I'm gonna take that no matter what the doctor says. No matter what what anyone else says, God is bigger than that. And if that's you today, if if you just say, Pastor, I am reaching out today. I'm believing that God will do a miracle in my life. Something impossible on my own, but possible through God. If that's you, just with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray for you this week. I'm going to just look up. If that's you this week that you said, Pastor, I'm going to just turn that over. Is that you? Is that you today? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. If that's you this week, I want you to know, God, God, nothing's too big. Nothing's too small. God looks right there and says, yep, I got it. I got that. You let go and give that to me. I'm going to take control of that and I'm the one that can bring a miracle and what we do is we just rejoice in him heavenly father god I ask that you'd be with each one of us god as we move forward this week in you god as 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 we stand in just a moment god that we would just rejoice in who you are and we thank you in Jesus name amen